Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic pollster. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster. And each week we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. We come to you again live from Kristen's living room. Yeah, it's looking good. (laughs) We're in a different corner of the room. I realized last week after Margie left that keeping this little table here in this room actually made perfect sense as like a little breakfast nook carved out of this little like unused, you know, three foot by three foot square of space in the back corner. No, it's good. I I like it here. So now my husband sits here and uses his laptop and watches TV, you know. This would be a good place if you're, you know, if you are thinking you need to work, but you also want to watch television. You don't want to get too comfortable sitting on the couch. You're like, no, I really need to be computing. So I'm going to go sit in the in breakfast like a, corner. In like an uncomfortable Ikea chair yeah. and like yeah, that, yeah. that'll keep me focused. Right. I'm three feet farther away from the television. So <laughs> therefore, <laughs> I'm really working now. That's what, how I envision this table being used. If you really feel like you can't, you have to work, then you put your back to the television so that at the was, counter. That was the whole first year of us living yeah. in this house. It was, which that was not sustainable. And yeah. we never were actually eating meals at the dining room table because, you know, it's just the two of us. And I felt a little... It felt a little silly. It felt a little uh, like the table that the small council sits at in Game of Thrones, <laughs> like Cersei sitting by herself, staring out of her, you know. So now we have, and have lots of options. You have lots of vignettes, as they say. This yes. is now a vignette. Oh, yes. That's, <laughs> That's and this when, when the gear is not on here, I normally have I, – I, I had styled it with this wow. little uh, – This is some, some real staging. That's some real Pottery Barn <laughs> creativity going on. And then we're going to set like, everything on I'm, fire. I'm, I realize I have not actually verbally described this to you listeners. You have no idea what this thing is that I've just held up. It's, a, it's like a lantern. It's like a glass an- lantern with a rope. It's, it's like very a hurricane nautical, lantern. You know, for the boat that I don't own in the ship that I don't have on the coast I don't live on. It's like an update on like a hurricane lantern if you or if you had to like go out into the street to see how things were doing back in ye olden times and you would like hold something. Oh yeah, a this candle is some Paul Revere, one if by land, two if by this sea. This is like a new version of that, yeah. Thanks, Pottery Farm. <laughs> You're the best. They are not they a got your number. The show, they got your number. But we will always take free swag. Okay. Yes. So uh well, it's been a it's been an interesting. Week. It's been a pretty crazy Colum- post Columbus Day um, thing. So lots of crazy news today, and some polls to match, and lots of news about everybody. Womanizer is really the only. 
I feel like womanizer is actually too nice a term. Like it's yeah. too it's like, too like hey. it implies like lots of women consensually it's, want to be with you, and you are just lying to them instead of actually being um, assaulting them, right? Without their consent, right? So womanizer may actually, but it is catchy. Too, it is. It's Brittany, and I will. <laughs> when you post a list of things, Kristen, which of these should be our song of the week? If any of them are Britney. I will choose them. Yeah, so. I was talking about this with my husband, and he was going through like a, he's like, "End of the world as you know it." I'm like, "Done it." <laughs> he's like, went through like all these like sort of depressing apocalyptic <laughs> songs. I'm like, "Done it, did it, yep, <laughs> did that Been one." Been there, <laughs> yep, nope, that one's yep. Um, nope. <laughs> so we we're left with Womanizer. Um, so what are the top lines this week? Uh, this week we have Mr. Forty Percent is not Mr. Forty Percent anymore, and may be losing support in places that he needed to win in the first place we'll talk about some polling in rural america then the harvey weinstein story has shaken hollywood shaken america we will talk about some pretty disturbing numbers about uh public opinion on things like gender discrimination and sexual harassment as well as america's views of hollywood then compromise and polarization do people want leaders in washington to stick to their guns or do they want them to work together we'll dig into some polling on attitudes about those shifts uh, free speech, not necessarily uh, beloved these days. We'll take a look at polling on what people think about those First Amendment rights. Uh, and finally, some polling on guns following up what we discussed last week in the wake of the Vegas tragedy. We'll touch base with some of the latest polls on gun control. So, and Strengthening I ha- gun laws. I have a variety. I, I said I it and I saw Margie's face no, go like, oh I'm no. Just, I have a oh variety no. of rants queued up. First, uh, our poll of the week is about Columbus Day. We're recording on Wednesday. Monday was Columbus Day. It's one of those kind of ambiguous holidays. You know, my kids head off from school, but Montgomery County Public Schools had school. So like... Some kids were around, some kids were not around, some people were at the office, some people were not at the office. It's ambiguous, plus there's this notion of, like, is this the right person to be celebrating it? Why are we celebrating Columbus Day? Why do we have a consensus on it even being a holiday? So there's always polling as to whether or not it actually makes sense to celebrate Columbus Day. And people think we should honor Christopher Columbus, a majority, according to a couple different polls. Yes, so there's a poll here. It's uh, We've got one from Rasmussen, which I think sometimes we hesitate to quote Rasmussen polls on the show. But in this case, you know, the pickings were were a little slim. Uh, don't always love a robo-poll for things like this. But um, they say that 58% of American adults think America should still honor Christopher Columbus with a national holiday, which is up from 50% two years ago. Um, oh, and they say this is a telephone and online survey. That doesn't mm. mean landline, or that doesn't mean cell phones are being called, but still that's, uh, at least it is not just a robo-poll. Well, and then the Knights of Columbus and Maris did a poll this year, and they found a majority, 57%, say it's a good idea to have a holiday named for Christopher Columbus. It's a little bit different than, like, should this be a holiday where everyone takes off? That's just having a holiday that's named. It's not talking about necessarily the celebration or observation of Christopher Columbus. Um, but there you have a majority. And they even asked a question, do you think Christopher Columbus and other historical figures, well, then that's kind of opening a whole ball of wax, should be judged by the standards of conduct during the time they lived or by the standards of conduct today? And then you had three quarters saying by the standards of conduct during the time they lived. I mean, I feel like there's a, a variety. If you wanted to really test it, like, has Christopher Columbus's actions 
aged well or withstood the test of time or how do you do you feel differently about the holiday if I we discussed it more you'd test it a little bit differently mm-hmm. I would personally like to celebrate National Coming Out Day is today yes indeed and I think it's like national it's like a celebrate a girl day there's some like girl holiday and Justin Trudeau's in town. I would like to combine those three oh, holidays yeah, I saw, today I saw into your like a thing. thing. Can, Canadian progressive prince <laughs> was taking photos with his his buddy Ivanka. Yeah, I'm gonna forget that part because he's like he's just kind of like a make believe character for me, so it doesn't really matter. But if you um you know I would like if you want to come out to me, I'm here for you. If you want to come out to me and talk about Justin Trudeau, that's good. I could do that too, <laughs> or I can come out to you as a fan of just. I don't think that's how this National Coming Out Day works, but that's like, I came out to you as a fan of Robbie Mook last week. Oh, that's true. That's good. Me and my conservative lady cabal. It's not what Coming Out Day is all about. No. Uh, so remember last week when I tried to give our president a nickname? You know, he loves nicknames. Little Marco, Little Bob Ugh. for Bob Corker. That's the latest. He loves himself a good nickname. And I tried to give him a nickname, Mr. 40%. Yeah. Except it doesn't work when his job approval no, dips below not, 40%. No, he's, you know, I mean, there no, is Mr. 38 point. Uh, where's the chart where's the chart that is not (laughs) 38.7% that's not slipping off the tongue quite the way Mr. 40% is yeah but that's the least of his problems yeah he He, wishes he was Mr. 40% (laughs) no Uh, so yeah his job approval it wiggled it went down a point um, which is notable because it had not really wiggled too much too too lately um and the strongly disapprove, according to Morning Consult, is what has really gone up since January, that it's not just disapproval, but that it's that the strong dis. You know, it's not like people went from being like, oh, I kind of like him to being like, oh, I kind of don't. It's that right. people went from whatever they were on Inauguration Day to like, heck no. Yeah, I mean, they're really. That's, when it- you're strongly disapprove is equal to your approves somewhat or strongly. Like, that's not great. That's not it's a, great. It's a plurality. I mean, it's, I mean, the numbers are, I mean, there have been a couple different polls that came out um, over the last week, right? So he's got the average Huffington Post, which sort of continues to be the same and IE bad, right? Then you have Morning Consult releasing the aggregate of like tens of thousands of interviews that they've done showing him losing, I think in every state, uh, he's lost ground. You had AP, uh, and, uh, Reuters doing a poll in rural areas that shows that Trump's lost a lot of ground in rural areas His you know, his supposed base. They also did, um, uh, image trait dimensions and they did this really good table. I like the way the table is designed. It's a heat map. I love yes. a good heat map. I know. Normally I'm like, I whine a little bit about the Reuters uh, data viz because it doesn't matter why, but it's n- not normally so <laughs> user friendly. But this table is really good because it's hard to show tracking for so many different traits in one place. Um, because you show a bunch of lines, you have a bunch of bar graphs, like how do you do that? And so they use colors, right? It's like a heat map. So they show different color gradations and you could see what's at the top and what's at the bottom and through different intensity in the color how much change has gone from you know positive to negative, right? And you could see that they've tested, I don't know how it is, like 12 traits. They're, he's lost ground in every single one of them. 
I mean, whether it's the traits at the top, like employment and jobs, where he's always consistently strong, that's still strong, but he's lost, you know, about 12 points there. Or if you're looking at a healthcare where he's really crashed a lot over yeah, 20 the, points. He's, he's lost ground, but it really depends on what issue you are talking about. I mean, economy jobs, national security are still decent. You know, you've seen a drop of about 10 points. Immigration, interestingly, had a drop from 19% um, net approval to only 2%. So immigration is one of those issues where, you know, sometimes people say, well, has he delivered on his promises to his voters? And, you know, I've seen all sorts of data where people think that illegal immigration is dropping because of Donald Trump, but also is the wall going to get built and all of this stuff? I mean, it, a 17-point drop or a 17-point swing in net approval is is no joke. And this is with rural voters. This is with rural voters. Um, and then you talk about things like health care reform, where the net positive was 20 points. I mean, among the highest things that he was rated on back in January. Now it's the worst. And now it is the bottom. It is a net negative of four. So... That is, that is, I mean, I know that the president does not care too much about what quote unquote swing voters think and certainly doesn't care what Democrats think, but voters in areas that elected him, rural America, that's what he cares about. Yeah. And so to have these numbers, that's not good. Yeah. I mean, if you look and to go back to the morning console poll and they broke it out by party, the trend lines by party and you see, you know, it goes back to this question like, well, when are his voters going to move against him that people are constantly asking? Democrats obviously seem to have moved considerably, you know, higher disapproval than, than in January. Um, but independents moved from being even approved, disapproved to being clearly more disapproving and Republicans have softened their approval and disapprove has gone up a little bit. Now it's not as dramatic, but it's still, you know, the same, the same pattern here. So, you know, I, this notion that Trump is playing to his base by whatever sort of crazy thing he does that week, it, it's not, it doesn't seem to be working. Even if you can find people who agree with whatever it is, the NFL or, you know, the travel ban, whatever, it's still in the aggregate not working. So I think, you know, another issue that has been big this week that has brought up this, I mean, it's it's about, what is it, about a year since the moment when a lot of folks, um, maybe, maybe us included, thought that Donald Trump would probably not win the election. Yeah. The one-year anniversary of the Access Hollywood tapes has been grimly commemorated now with a new milestone for America, yay, uh, the Harvey Weinstein story. Um oh. The uh, unveiling of a variety of really horrific accusations against this Hollywood mogul um, has raised a big discussion about sexual harassment, discrimination in the workplace in Hollywood. And uh, our good friend Ariel Edwards-Levy was tweeting out some uh, data, some historical data um, about uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, so in uh, 1991, ABC News and Washington Post asked people, do you think sexual harassment of women in the workplace is a problem in this country or not? And is a problem was 76%. Remember, wasn't there an ad at some point like that sexual harassment and I don't have to take it? Like, wasn't that like a PSA? Hmm. I'm telling you. I, okay, listeners, if I feel like that's the kind of thing I would remember, but... I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to look this up real quick, but 
I feel like back in the 90s, there was an, like a TV ad that was like, this is sexual harassment and I don't have to take it. Hmm. And that was like the thing you were supposed to say. Hmm. So then fast forward uh, 20 years and they asked that same question. Do you think the sexual harassment of women in the workplace is a problem in this country or not? And uh, yes, had declined to 64%. So still a majority, but fewer people thinking it's a problem. There are, as noted, pessimistic and optimistic ways of viewing this trend, right? On the one hand, maybe sexual harassment is actually down. On the other hand, do people just think that it's gone away and it hasn't? And so now you have people that are oblivious to it, even though it's happening. Right. And what are people thinking of when they're responding to that phrase, right? I'm, to, I'm Googling this ad. Yes. I mean, there, it's the, the phrase itself, it, you know, it's one of those... It's one of those questions, right? I mean, what are people thinking of? Are they thinking of, you know, people behaving a little boorishly or are they thinking of assault? Are they thinking of all of it? Or or are they thinking of women being, you know, the discrimination in the workplace, maybe different from harassment? And it, it's, you know, what I wonder from all these news stories, because we've had a lot of different stories between the Access Hollywood tapes and or you know it was not just access hollywood tapes and harvey weinstein obviously stories of fox stories in tech um st you know a variety of other entertainment stories that you know maybe didn't have quite drive the national conversation but have been you know in the news and you know do people look at those stories and say wow that's what happens when you become in power you you know get drunk with power and act crazy or do people think wow, this is a lot more common than I thought, you know, because I, I guarantee you, you know, I guarantee you the women listening to the show are like, this is not, you don't have to know Harvey Weinstein in order to have something crazy like this happen to you at the workplace. This kind of thing happens, you know, in every industry. You don't have to be like some kind of mega titan. And maybe our male listeners are like, what? I had no idea. I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but you know, it's, it, you know, for sure. Oh, look, this ad really I'm exists. You, it exists. This is what I found it. Okay. Okay, let's see. You know, you're doing a great job. Oh, but you're not using all your assets with a body like that. You can go places. I remember this now. I remember her shrinking. Be a little more sexy. Hey, we're talking about your job here. No, we're talking about sexual harassment here. And I don't have to take any sexual harassment. Boom. Whoa. 1993. I told you I remembered it. When I started Googling, I Googled that sexual harassment and Google autofilled for me and I don't have to take it. Wow. Well, it really made an impact on you. It sure did. Um, that's good. I mean, you know, I wonder how many, only 37,000 people have watched that video. I wonder how many, like, it was it well, on broadcast? I, I mean, guess it was on broadcast. Yeah, this was... Uh, uh, I wonder who was behind it. How much did they spend behind that? I uh, guess enough for you to remember. Um, okay, I'll I'll find this. We can put stuff in. No, show no, notes. that's good. That's a good. That's a good piece of trivia. Um, and it's obviously look. I mean, we've been talking about these issues for you know for a zillion years. It's not going to go away. I mean, it's amazing that these people still think that they can get away with it. I don't know if the you know I I mean look. You also had Congressman Murphy. Which, you know, is probably 
completely relieved that his story is not on the front page because you have all this Harvey Weinstein uh, stuff. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it never ends, right? I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously something that people have been talking about stories like this since I first moved to Washington and there was kind of Senator Packwood. That was like the big story when I first came to Washington. So these things, you know, have been going on and will continue to go on. I think, I don't know where I'm going with this other than my complete rage about it all. And it yeah, made, I was, by the way, on Twitter, I was promised a couple, a couple rant, like yes. rants from you on this. Yeah, I know. Show. So my rants were about question. I mean, this, th- what makes me so angry about this is I feel like, you know, there are folks, well, one, there are folks on the right who are like, well, you know, see, you have your own sexual harassment story. So therefore, we're even, I guess. I don't know what the argument is. It just doesn't make any sense. The point is, these, you know, this is like so pervasive. It's so corrupting. And, you know, anyone who really truly sticks by somebody and like defends somebody and supports somebody who is, you know, admitted abuser is complicit. And that's true whether you're talking about Harvey Weinstein or you're talking about the president. Yeah. You know, maybe if you're a fashion designer, the way to respond to all of this is not to come out and say that women were asking for it. That was outrageous. the way they dress. I know. Like, especially when your brand is like, I dress powerful women. Well, she doesn't own the brand anymore. But it was what was interesting was that she said asking for, like, she even used the phrase asking for it. I mean, that was like, really. Like textbook, what not to say. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, Hollywood and the entertainment industry, not a good look for them this week. I mean, of course, the question is, okay, is this – it's not uh, – this type of thing doesn't only happen in Hollywood, but does Hollywood over-index for this kind of bad behavior? And does Hollywood have a right to get on a moral soapbox and tell the rest of America when they're being wrong about something? And this is a, a beef that conservatives have a lot. And so I had to go digging for a poll on this, and I found a CBS News poll from, I think, 2014, where they asked about uh, people's reactions to the idea of Hollywood having an influence on American politics and social values. And I wish it wasn't about politics. I wish it was just Is about. that one question, like politics and social values? Because, Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> I wish I could That's a whole lot of stuff. They're very know. different. Um, but yeah. it's... So this is just directly from the CBS article. From celebrities advocating causes to movies about political and social issues, Hollywood has long been involved in American politics and social values. Most Americans think it has too much influence. 61% say Hollywood has too much influence. Uh, Divided by uh, party affiliation, three quarters of Republicans say Hollywood has too much influence. Independents, 61%. Democrats, it's less than half, 48%. I wonder how those numbers would change if you asked that poll today. So, I, so, uh, today. so I, you know, I have a variety of thoughts. I think one is like a perf- perfectly legitimate conversation for people to have if you're able to separate out somebody's art or work from the fact that if they are a scumbag in private. Like that, I think, is a reasonable conversation that people can have, you know, and pe- people can have different perspectives toward it. The problem is, you know, we're not talking about people who, for any of these cases, people who are painters or writers who were in their basement doing their art and then were scumbags someplace else. We're talking about their work involves all these people interacting with people. And that's where, obviously, it becomes very problematic. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's one, you know, place where people sort of get tripped up. With like, can you, you know, appreciate a movie that Harvey Weinstein helped produce 20 years ago, you know, knowing this, right? Um, could you, you know, appreciate as someone 
someone on the right what Roger Ailes did at Fox if Mm -hmm. he behaved this way. And those are, you know, I can appreciate that people are, you know, have complicated questions there. I mean, then the other issue is the, like, sexual hypocrisy. That's where folks on the left, like, get frustrated with folks like with Congressman Murphy or folks who say behave in a judgmental way publicly and they are they do the opposite of that privately that is so like don't go to the Park City Women's March and march in the street for women's equality and then do what Harvey Weinstein did right right so you know like those are not compatible actions right um but that's a, I mean it is a little bit different cuz you're like the what I'm talking about is people were like you're judging other people publicly saying you're bad for doing this and that. I mean I see what you're saying and then saying privately doing something else <laughs> yeah. as opposed to saying I'm supporting people but then behind closed doors I'm not I mean but I mean there is like an element of judgment in that, right? Like I am I am judging yes. negatively people who do not treat women well. And right. that is why I am at this march and right. yet yeah. No, look, I mean, you know, it's indefensible. Obviously, he's, just, you know, they're all they're all a bunch of scumbags. I mean, they all behave like scumbags. And I'm telling you, he's not, he can't be the only one. This is what I'm like, I'm just waiting for the next, like, the, the steady drip, drip, drip the last 24 to 48 hours has been more women coming out. Right. Um, there was an article from a French actress, uh, I'm going to butcher her name, Leia Seydoux. She was in, oh gosh, was she in the most recent Bond movie? Well, she she might have been the she might have been in Skyfall, um, but she wrote I mean like yeah that Harvey Weinstein had like you know tried to push himself on her and and then like she would write about oh and then like we went to a restaurant a couple weeks later you know because that's one of the other things that I think people have to get their minds around is you can be victimized and that yet still feel like you need to be socially engaging with your assailant yep um, and that I think is like hard for people to wrap their minds around when you read these stories but she also talks about multiple other directors whose movies she's been in who have pulled this kind of stuff on her and she doesn't name any of them but it's like I names more names are going to start coming out on the guy side of this right the, the the bad guy side. Right. I got to imagine. Right. Right. And then and then the last thing is, you know, what is the political like how how can you if at all lump all these clowns together in a political capacity? So obviously Harvey Weinstein was influential in democratic politics. His influence, however big, is not the same as the president or some of these other folks that we're talking about. So, you know, so then like in, in the wake of all of this, do Democrat, you know, there's been all this like Democrats are, you know, are going to have a problem with Weinstein, which I just don't really see how that's the case. Hollywood clearly has, is going to have some challenges trying to figure out what they're all, you know, you have men in Hollywood and women, you have people getting into Twitter fight. I mean, there was like the Lena Dunham, uh, piece in New York Times. I mean, people are, are, it's clearly very, very emotional. I don't know if people are going to hold Democrats responsible for, for what exactly. So, you know, so we'll see how that, how that all, all unfolds, but it is just, it's painful. It's painful every little bit of it. Speaking of values, and then we'll come back to the compromise thing, but there, since we're talking about all this terrible, these terrible values, these terrible flawed people. Um, one of my rants was about this Gallup tracking poll question about whether the government should promote traditional values or no particular set of values <laughs> and that's, or not any particular set of values, I think is the language. And that's, that made me a little ragey. Oh yeah. I left this out of the top line. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. It made me a little ragey because 
and I know it's tracking and I know this is what happens when you have these questions that have been around for like, you know, 20 years and you got to see how they change and seeing how they change is illustrative in and of itself. However, it reinforces this perception that traditional values are a belief system and everybody else is like, you know, we got no values. Our values are no values, you know, and the absence of traditional values is, you know, no values. And that is not how folks on the left would <laughs> characterize their own values. That is a very legitimate beef, Margie. So, well, thank you. Because we would say, you know, oh, we have values of open-mindedness and inclusivity and fairness and opportunity and, you know, caring for your fellow ma- man or woman or belief in science or whatever. You know, there are a variety of things that we would characterize as values that are um, you know, not would not necessarily be under this rubric of traditional values. I mean, what this question I'm assuming means is should the government promote a traditional, you know, notion of the family, I think is what this question is trying to measure, like a traditional, you know, conservative male-female family structure. I'm assuming that's, well, I mean, it's not really clear, right? But that's what we are, that's what I think people are looking at this question and and interpreting it that way. Um, And if it's not meant to do that, then it's definitely, then, you know, it should either specify that or it should, you know, figure out some other way to explain it. Um, but that traditional values, we don't know if that means like traditional economic, you know, we don't know exactly what that means. If it's traditional about a traditional family, then it should specify that. Cause as written, it's very unclear what this is talking about. And the same thing with my beef, I think it was with the 2004 exit polls. There's like, what was the most important issue in your vote for Bush versus Kerry? And it had like, values or moral values or morals or something one word in the like five answer category question and everybody sort of decided that that meant you know guns and lgbt rights and all these things and you don't you have no idea what that means it's just values it's just the word values you know we all have different values so the fact that um you know one side is sort of co-opted the word values is something that is a beef with folks on the left well so i think speaking of Values. This actually, I'm I'm now completely diverting away from the compromise versus polarization topic. Yeah. Although it it is deeply related to what I'm about to go into, yeah. which is about free speech. Yes. Um, this was bouncing around a little bit on the value, right, yeah. more so than on the left. This bounces around on the right because uh, folks on the right. I mean, it is much more often that a conservative speaker on campus is going to be protested in most cases more than a progressive speaker. So free speech issues are very on the minds of conservatives. And you also now have the president this morning tweeting out that something about taking away NBC News's broadcast license. Uh, so you also have free speech, free media issues yeah. on that side. Um, and this is a – it's dangerous for the president to be – talking about pulling media organization licenses, whatever that looks like, at a moment when that is also uh, – when free speech is not in vogue. And so, you know, uh, there's a, a very interesting poll. It was done uh, – there's some polling that's been done by Cato and a uh, friend of the show. And then there's also some polling um, that uh, you can find at Brookings, which is really interesting. Um And what they find is that when you ask people, does the First Amendment protect hate speech, a plurality say it does not. 
And in fact, for Democrats, it's a very narrow margin. For Republicans, it is a slim plurality says yes, hate speech is protected. Independents are what breaks to say no. Um, and this is, this is, I believe, a survey among college students. Um, but this idea that like hate speech is not protected is like, wow, because it, it in fact is, I mean, you, you can't engage in, it's either libel or slander. I don't remember which one is verbal and which one is written. Like you can't lie about someone and you can't. Like there are there are some limits around things that you can do, but generally, like saying something that is really offensive is protected by the Constitution. But that does not seem to be um, particularly in vogue. They also then asked in this survey, a student group opposed to the speaker disrupts the speech by loudly and repeatedly shouting so the audience cannot hear the speaker. Do you agree or disagree that the student group's actions are acceptable? Among young Democrats, 62% say, yes, that's acceptable. Among Republicans, disagree. 61% say that is acceptable. And among independents, uh, 55% disagree that that is acceptable. So interestingly, like independents tend to side more with the idea that hate speech is not protected, but also don't love the idea of someone standing up and shouting down a speaker. So right. that's kind of interesting. Right, right. And so, you know, it also just goes to this place where we are now where everything is sort of situational, where if you have, you know, folks who may in theory in sort of the political laboratory say that they are in favor of free speech because that's where they are, you know, political leanings lie if they're confronted with uh, infringement on speech that they disagree with may feel a little bit differently. And so I think that's why there's been a little bit of focus on some of these issues. Yeah. And there's, there's an interesting trade-off question, um, that is asked where they say, given one of the two options below, which do you think it's more important for colleges to do to create a positive learning environment for all students by prohibiting certain speech or expression of viewpoints that are offensive or biased against certain groups of people? Or option two is to create an open learning environment where students are exposed to all types of speech and viewpoints, even if it means allowing speech that is offensive or biased against certain groups of people. And Democrats, by a pretty healthy margin, pick option one. Republican students, fairly narrowly divided, but a, a slim plurality or a slim majority pick option two. And for independents, actually by a 10-point margin, pick option two to say open learning environment where students are exposed to all types of speech. And this is something that there's actually a practical example happening at my alma mater, University of Florida. Richard Spencer, the uh, notorious uh, white nationalist, is trying to speak on college campuses and I believe legally – like UF wasn't going to allow him to speak on safety grounds. Right. N not on – we not on we ban offensive viewpoints grounds, but on you incite riots. We don't want what happened at UVA to happen here. Sorry, you can't come to our campus. But was, I think, overridden because it is a public – it is a public university, it is public property. So I believe Richard Spencer is speaking at the university, but the president of UF put out this really good video saying like what he's saying, what his his speech is not stand for what we stand for. And, um, you know, so, but I, I think you've also got, you know, a speaker like Condoleezza Rice who will get like shouted down or, you know, booted off a of campus. And like, there's a, there are miles and miles and miles and miles of difference between Condoleezza Rice and Richard Spencer. And yet, on some campuses, it does not seem like a distinction is made. And so I think that is where some conservatives get real angsty. When I was in college, 
one of the big controversies was Camille Paglia. She was like a big warrior in oh, various yeah. like lady battles. And, um, but I don't even remember what people were mad at her about. I think someone, they were, someone was passing out flyers. I mean, she's controversial, obviously, but I think what happened is someone was passing out flyers saying Camille Paglia got $10,000 for this speech. And someone stood up and that was the first question. She's like, is it true that you got $10,000 for the speech? <laughs> Camille Paglia just like sh- screamed at the person who asked the question. I was like, I remember, I mean, I was there. I remember it so vividly, like you ninny, <laughs> like just like, <laughs> it was so outrageous. I mean, it was so outrageous. Like, it was everything about it was so outrageous. And everyone was just like in shock. And then that was the. That, so I really don't like it. being around uncomfortable moments. Like, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm is hard for me to do. And so, like, but like, <laughs> this part of me also really wishes I could go <laughs> observe Camille Paglia, like, raging at a student <laughs> like this i mean the student was pretty bold to stand up and ask that question you know and but it anyway it was it was a very crazy oh, tense moment boy. and of course then i made a whole lot of news but anyway these um these battles have been going on for a while huh these campus battles so speaking yeah and i yeah. i had a, a friend of mine who uh, assigned me homework he discovered that i had never read closing of the american mind and he himself is not like an you know a republican type but just was like this is an excellent work you need to read it and so i have started uh and it is so relevant but it's also from the 80s it's like oh this has happened before and will happen again yeah and that was really uh it was big in my in my youth that was a big one um so speaking of divisions pew has released this poll they kind of updated it's a poll that we've seen before from them and they have these really great charts that show how Divided we're becoming um, ideologically uh, between Democrats and Republicans in terms of the how consistently liberal Democrats are, how consistently conservative Republicans are. Uh, ideology and partisanship are not one for one. They're, you know, they are, they co-vary, but they are not exactly the same. And so this, these charts really show, um, the, the different polls of the Democrat and Republican party and how, you know, there wasn't that much difference between the two groups, you know, in between the center of gravity of the two parties in 94. But then the party started to move apart a little bit in 2004. And then now the, I mean, it's pretty massive. The, it's like two mountains moving away from each other. Although, and I got to say, yes, in the Republican party, the, the mountain has like, smushed but yes. hasn't moved the democratic mountain has moved yeah it is still a pointy mountain but it is moved to the left yeah whereas republicans it was we already had a lot i guess on our right flank and the right flank is just like inflated as the middle of the party has deflated um and that's consistent by the way with the piece that i wrote a couple weeks ago about you know and, and this is true on guns it's true on other issues and this whole like democrats are so divided everybody in the democratic party is you know at war with each other and that the polling doesn't bear that out because democrats are really united on a whole host of issues and that's what this pew poll which came out after my piece i think confirms yeah i mean it certainly shows that there, the 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 spread amongst Republicans is wider uh, than it looks like the spread with Democrats. But I mean, the Republican median little bar has not moved that far right in this like visualization of theirs. So I mean, you could argue that almost all of this 
increased division is coming from the movement of the median Democrat rather than the movement of the median Republican. Now, I don't think that is true if you're looking from 2004 or 2004. Like if you're looking 94, 94 and 2017 are actually pretty similar for Republicans, but the median Republican is actually much more progressive in 2004, which I think runs counter to, and that was the Bush administration era. And yet that is like a big piece of the wobble has come from Republicans sort of moving more progressive throughout the 90s and then like the backlash coming, Mm -hmm. I think, during the Obama era. Mm, Perhaps, yeah. And if you go to the full Pew study, they show the partisan gaps growing on a variety of issues. And this is consistent with things we talk about all the time, whether it's on, you know, how we should approach the poor or racial discrimination or immigration. And a lot of it is Democrats moving a little bit more than Republicans. And it part of it could be because so much of this movement has happened over the last year or so that you have folks on the left feeling something is under attack, is under threat. Well, and you at the same time, though, that people are moving further and further apart, Gallup has asked a question starting in 2010. So not going back too, too, too long. But I mean, seven years isn't, isn't nothing. Um, next, we have a question about the best approach for political leaders to follow in Washington. Where would you rate your skill, self on a scale of one to five? If one is it is more important for political leaders to compromise in order to get things done. And five means it's more important for political leaders to stick to their beliefs, even if little gets done. And more important to compromise has always been in the lead, but that lead has widened dramatically. Well, then, so we're becoming you're America. We're becoming more polarized, just- <laughs> but we also are more like angry that we can't compromise and get things done, which seems like the just perfect for the Trump era. I would like, like just people to like compromise by co- agreeing with me. Of- yeah, <laughs> I would like them to compromise by agreeing with me so things get done. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a shame because obviously it's not like we're seeing lots of compromise, right? Um, even before Trump took office, it's not like we were seeing lots of compromise in, in Congress. And, you know, this is why you have, and that's not what this new Gallup poll shows, but we've talked about before that government dysfunction is one of the top worries that people have across party lines in line, if not more than the economy. Well, You know what else we all uh, should be willing to compromise on? No, that's this is a dumb transition. Let's just forget it. I ignore it. Also, I forgot that we still have to talk about the gun polling. So forget it. I am. No, it's all right. We'll we'll go to. uh, We have we have no. We have something funny in in a bit. Um, (laughs) So you know, speaking of an issue where Democrats are united on the left um, and. Perhaps there's a more opportunity for compromise than maybe people think, and that is guns. And we've talked about guns, obviously, quite a bit. We talked about them last week, but there's a new poll that came out from Morning Consult and Politico, and it is the only poll that I've seen that has something on bump fire stocks. So that's, I thought, worth talking about just so we can close the loop on that, and we'll probably see more. But it's 79% support that particular Regulation, And they also have a long list of stronger gun law proposals that they tested, and almost all of them have majority support that's consistent with the polling that I've been talking about. So, And a bipartisan bill got introduced in the House by Carlos Corbello from Florida and Seth Moulton from Massachusetts to ban bump fire stocks. Yeah, so that's good. Now, my quibble, my, my little bit of rage is – 
I don't want to say it's rage because there's obviously, you know, a lot of other things today that we talked about that make me ragey. But the poll question that they asked said, do you support stricter gun control laws? And I know that the folks who write that have must have heard me rant about that phrase before. However, it's worth noting that even with that, a majority just about – Half of Republicans say they support stricter gun control laws. More said that than said. I mean, it's close. It's, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it. It's pretty divided. But again, challenging this notion that, you know, everybody on the right is like vehemently opposed to any kinds of stronger gun laws when you have this question wording that we know is very, aggressive in its wording and that puts it fing- its finger on the scale and is, you know, understandably, but nonetheless vague in terms of what things you're, ta- what kind of proposals you're talking about. Even with all those things being said, you still have more Republicans saying they support stronger gun laws than not. Well, now to end our show, another poll of dubious origin <laughs> that came in via the email. Of a, That's good. I'm a thousand always... Americans conducted one day during September via somehow, some way. A poll about GIFs. Margie, did you say GIF or GIF? I, I say GIFs, but I am totally willing to defer to you on these matters. I, I'm a convert. You're... I used to say GIF, and then I switched to GIF. Uh, what was the messaging that moved you on that? Uh, I, I married someone <laughs> that is in the tech world. And so you had GIF. a powerful influencer. That's also why I'm now a Red Sox fan. Um, GIFs and the Red Sox. So according to Jiffy Cat, yeah, I guess Gif, Giffy Cat depends on again hard or soft G. Uh, the GIF slash GIFs perception survey, uh, they claim that twenty four percent of Americans send GIFs every couple of hours. Is this the same twenty four percent of people that um, are celebrating National Boyfriend Day by proposing to their boyfriend? I don't know. Probably, right? 24% say them every couple of hours. I mean, get, I get back to work, people. 24% of the people I follow on Twitter sure might. <laughs> My friend Shoshana, if she's the sample, has 100%. <laughs> um, 55% of Americans think you're funnier if you use them. Well, that's true. That that's probably true. They're, I mean, not if they're the same, like five ones. All right. G- gifts or gifs help Americans form relationships. 31% have bonded with a friend over similar <laughs> taste in gifs. I guess I'm going to change. 21% regularly send them to coworkers. And 22% even say they are their favorite way to flirt online. I mean, I oh, guess God. I would prefer a gif rather than a... GIF pick, let's say. <laughs> I guess, I suppose. <laughs> I would prefer a GIF, but oh, still. <laughs> these days just ain't what it used to be. I mean, I can't, like, I mean, they're fine. I mean, but they're... Maybe not all progress is good progress, Margie. This is why some of us are conservatives, because not all change is good. <laughs> the only time, like, I really, like, lost it with a GIF was when... During the convention, and it was uh, it was during like Michael Bloomberg's speech, and somebody sent out a, a like a gif of like um, Crystal Carrington and um, what's her face, um, J- uh, Joan Collins. Um, no, what's her? It's yeah, Joan Collins. Like fight uh, wrestling on a couch, and this is like this is Bloomberg and Trump right now, and it was just like di- this dynasty like full cat fight, and I don't know why. Maybe I was just weak and tired and hadn't had a lot of sleep, but I was like crying for like 10 minutes about that. And that's like really the only time I can remember like finding it 
like improving my day in some way. Well, I have a folder on my desktop called Amazing GIFs. And when I encounter them in my travels throughout the World Wide Web, I like to save them because you never know when you need like that perfect image of, you know, Scrooge McDuck GIF diving into a pool of money to, you know, say, hey, you just got a new client. Hey, everybody, look, Scrooge McDuck. Right, 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 you right, know, right. like it's it's a way to communicate in a, uh, a humorous fashion. Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. Um, I don't really have a pool of pool of Scrooge McDuck money. <laughs> I just live vicariously through the gym. So that's good. <laughs> I prefer to like ring the bell like you're at like a like a bar dive bar and like they just oh. got like a tip. That's like <laughs> that's my new client approach. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get a bell installed in my office. Um, okay, so key findings. I would much rather celebrate some mashup of Day of the Girl. That's what's called National Coming Out Day and Justin Trudeau Day than any else anything else that's going on this week. Trump's bass play doesn't seem to be working with his bass. Is ranting on a podcast a traditional American value or a more modern American value? And people, instead of sending each other gifs, why don't you build relationships by asking people if they've experienced sexual harassment and believe them when they tell you they have, because they probably have. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters individually and at Margie O'Mero and at Kay Soltis Anderson. You can find us on Facebook where we post links throughout the week to the stories we might be talking about on next week's show. And we're at www.thepollsters.com where you can find links to all of the most fabulous polling resources that we have curated for you. Thanks. Bye.